Next on BYU Sports Nation, no ifs, ands, ors in our QB depth chart for Liberty at BYU. Did coaches suddenly reveal who will start? Was it worth losing two bad games for the Cougars to discover this current version of itself? Plus, what's the chance BYU football wins out? ESPN put a number to it, and we will too. Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. Well, hello there. BYU Sports Nation is live. Your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Hope you're enjoying your Thursday, November 7th, wherever and however you're connected. Wonderful to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with a man who not only is middle-aged and vanilla, but he definitely has style, Jerem Jordan. I don't know about that, but uh, our boy Jeff Grimes, who continues to maintain the mustache, or mustache, uh, can appreciate a man like Zach Selyus on the men's basketball team, who's gone with a mustache and kind of frosted hair up top. Uh, Jeff Grimes quoted a tweet uh, of Zach Selyus's hair and uh, said the following, Now that's a young dude that gets style. <laughs> this is Zach Selyus's best look, in my opinion. Of the four years, because I think he's changed up every year. He looks great. He looks like uh, Nicholas Cage's yes. character in Raising Arizona. Thank you. Can we state the obvious? Whatever he that guy's he name looks is. like H.I. McDonough. That there is you. the name of the character go. in Raising Arizona, 1987 cult classic. Nicholas Cage would be proud of Zach Selyus, and clearly Jeff Grimes is. And he does still need to steal the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> Plenty of style in today's show lineup. The voice of the Cougars, Greg Rebell, just continued his call of BYU women's soccer perfection. Is there any way the Cougars can earn a top seed? And are we undervaluing Liberty football? The coach of third-ranked BYU women's cross-country, Dilji Taylor, back in Studio B to preview a national championship run. And what's the chance BYU football wins out? There is a 100% chance BYU Sports Nation headlines happen next. BYU football will host Liberty on Saturday. First-ever meeting between the Flames and Cougars. BYU currently a 17-point favorite. 17 plus Hmm. and will enjoy the role of favorite at home for the first time in five games at Lavelle Edwards Stadium this season. Is that not crazy? Cougars lost the previous two games when they were favored, but again, this is in Provo. How about BYU just wins the average starting field position battle and guarantees the victory that way? Or they score 24 plus. Our game day coverage begins with countdown to kickoff live on BYU TV at approximately 6 p.m. Eastern, immediately following BYU men's basketball against San Diego State. Michael Davis and the L.A. Chargers play the Oakland Raiders tonight on Thursday Night Football. This season, Davis has 22 tackles, three pass deflections, and a pick. Remarkable stuff from BYU women's soccer. The ladies remain unbeaten after another impressive road victory. 3-0 at Gonzaga last night. Elise Flake scored her 17th goal of the season. She's top six in the NCAA. Michaela Coulihan added her 12th. Looks at her defender, takes her toward the end line, gets past that defender, gets into the area, plays the top of the six. It is 3-0! Michaela Coulihan pokes home, and the Cougars go up three. BYU has played 18 matches, won 17 of them, and tied the other. Is there any way the Cougars can earn a number one seed despite a less than favorable RPI? We'll ask Greg Rebell. BYU can lock up another WCC title with a home win on Senior Day this Saturday against LMU. Still one of two undefeateds, although Virginia play, is number one, plays fifth-ranked Florida State tomorrow in the ACA, ACC tournament. So we'll see. BYU uh, remains the is only BYU undefeated team. BYU rooting for Florida State tomorrow? 
I would think so, although Florida State and Virginia will probably finish ahead of BYU in everything, right? The rank would be the lone unbeaten team, right? Right, That's and that'd be a cool fact. Men's golf, Peter Quest wins the St. Mary's Invitational, shooting four under. BYU took second in the tournament, shooting 20 under. Cougars break until late January. Uh, currently, golf stat has BYU as the fourth best team in the country. And Peter Quest, uh, one of the top golfers in the nation. Yeah, he's got a real shot to win an individual national title, and BYU is in position to win a national championship as a team. They've been to NCAA tournaments back-to-back years. Peter Quest has got to bring that performance, or his best, at the NCAA tournament. He's been good, but he hasn't been like what he's been in the regular season, in the postseason. I'm excited to see Peter Quest be his best self this season. Yeah, dude's going to play on the PGA Tour. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports. It's been the question of October and November. Who's my quarterback? It feels like a new conversation week to week with BYU ever since the USF game. Zach Wilson recovering from broken thumb, listed on the depth chart this week, as is Jaron Hall after a perceived second concussion that he endured at Utah State. And then there's Baylor Romney, hot hand but moderately hobbled by a foot injury. Hey, Joe Critchlow's 100%, we think. Jerem, what is your BYU quarterback depth chart going into the game against Liberty? Jeff Grimes said and admitted that Baylor Romney is not 100%, but it won't affect his availability. I believe that Baylor Romney will be the starting quarterback on Saturday. After that, I believe that Joe Critchlow is the next option. And then if something happened, I don't know that BYU is going to go to Rhett Riley. I think they would bring in Zach Wilson if, if say, BYU was down and it's the third quarter or something, and for some reason you're down two quarterbacks. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Hold on, there's a piece of wood here. I'm going to knock on it. Just checking. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, knock on wood. I'm not superstitious. I'm a little stitious. Um, but yeah, Rhett Riley is the fifth-string quarterback. Jaron Hall, I, I feel like, and BYU hasn't said it, he's not out for the season, otherwise BYU would say so, but it's hard to know with head injuries, and you want to be so careful with that, right? Because the, the, it's bigger than the game of football, right? You want Jaron to be able to have a, a wonderful life, and who knows the severity of perceived concussions and whatnot. So, so BYU's going to handle that delicately, but I think uh, Baylor Romney's the guy Saturday. Yeah, Jeff Grimes, I think, subtly revealed with that commentary that Baylor's going to be the guy. Yeah. And we're reading between the lines there, but yes, Baylor Homney, hobbled or not, is going to hobble out on the field, and he's going to be the starting quarterback on Saturday against Liberty. And I think all BYU fans feel just fine about that, right? Uh, yeah, who doesn't? Who doesn't? Nobody. What has he done to make you feel all otherwise? In, all those in favor, please make it manifest. Like yeah, We're, we're yeah. all in for Baylor Romney, right? Yeah. There are no opposed. Romney to Romney! 2020, make it happen. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> Baylor Romney is the guy. After that, I don't know. It's probably Joe Critchlow. Joseph, but if Joseph. you ask Zach Wilson, Who's he's it? like, Coach, you put me on the depth chart. You better you put me on, on this week's depth chart. You better put me at number two. Joe Critchlow is sort of a Romney. He married uh, Mitt's granddaughter. Yes, he did. So there you go. So Ooh. either way, a Romney will probably quarterback for BYU. <laughs> You think Joe will change his legal name to Joe Romney? Just to no. Fit? no, I don't no. think. I don't think so. It's going to be Baylor Romney. After that, probably Joe Critchlow. Although the competitor in Zach Wilson is like, if if he gets hurt, you better put me in. Yeah, yeah. Joe, Joe Critchlow is two and one as a starter, by the way. And uh, but the one loss was to UMass. That's an unforgivable yeah, sin. He That's won hard. both of his games on the road. Yeah. So. Uh, it helped us quality Canada rush for two hundred plus. <laughs> Just going to point that out. Just going to throw that out there. <laughs> Let's go Baylor. Hawaii, Dylan, you know, against Dylan Colley on the other side. Yeah, that was a fun game. 
Riley Burt, G5 Killa showed up. It's awesome. Uh, which, you know, it's weird. The last four games, BYU has started somebody, and uh, it's been hard for that guy to finish the game, which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Three of the last four, the starting quarterback hasn't finished the game for BYU. So will we see more than just Baylor Romney on Saturday? Uh, I think we will see someone else because, because BYU is going to blow out Liberty. Okay. I, I think that we will see Joseph Romney Critchlow. <laughs> I think we'll see him. Okay, topic two. BYU's opponent Saturday is a team that's still building its brand. Mm-hmm. It's year one as a full-fledged FBS member for the Liberty Flames, a fellow independent. Six of three on the season. They won five of six. Liberty is a part of what I've called the easy three in the next couple games. That Idaho State and UMass. But are we sleeping on Liberty too much right now? I don't think so. Because BYU lost to two teams that, on paper, and all BYU fans feel mentally, they should have beaten. So the BYU coaches don't have to look very far to remind BYU that they're 0-2 this season as the favorite. What? How about that for a lesson? Urgency and motivation remain, and BYU is still trying to lock down their first home-winning record in three years. That means BYU has to beat Liberty. Yes, BYU will beat Idaho State, but the Cougars have to beat Liberty to guarantee that they will have a shot to finish out a home-winning record. Liberty is 100% on top of mind if you ask coaches and players. And Julie Rose. Because of what has happened. Mm -hmm. And we'll get into more of if it changed everything for BYU losing to Toledo and USF, and if it was worth it because of what happened, BYU's not overlooking Liberty. It's weird to fight against an ideal or a concept, and this nation was founded upon the very name of this university. So I feel weird being anti-Liberty in any way. But here we are, against the Liberty Flames. Uh, We must extinguish the flame of Liberty. No! Liberty is what? No! Okay, uh, no, it's all good. It's all good. The team, I think, has uh, is fully aware of what Liberty can do. Because they have a top 20 quarterback statistically and a top three receiver statistically, BYU is all over this. I think they're like, oh my gosh, like... Antonio Gandy-Golden is a legit receiver. BYU is not overlooking that guy or Stephen Buckshot Calvert. No, like, Antonio no. Gandy-Golden is good. an NFL dude. Frankie Hickson, uh, Josh Mack, the running backs, they're good. Jesse Lemonier, Wrecker in the backfield. They've got some good talent. Yeah. Like I think in 10 years we're going to go, remember when we played Liberty and they were young and there were nobody? Uh, I think Liberty is going to become something. They, they got some money, right? That's where it's at. Yeah, Hugh Freeze had a staff infection to open up the season. He was coaching from a hospital yeah, bed. Yeah, it was crazy. So, uh, here's the issue with Liberty. They played uh, two uh, one-score games against uh, New Mexico and New Mexico State. Okay? That tells you, yep. Yep. The five, <laughs> so the five still have the this. The five and drum. Okay? Liberty has one win over an FBS team with a winning record. Okay? Uh, BYU has only two, by the way. But it's USC and Boise State. Very different. Well, it's different beating Buffalo over stuff. I think it's over okay to assess Liberty for what they are, which is BYU should be a big uh, big favorite here. But they have some weapons. I I think BYU is not lackadaisical at all, though, because of the Toledo and South Absolutely. I think BYU is well aware of, oh, my gosh, we can't do that again. The urgency is there. Yes. <laughs> the Redcoats are coming. Literally. The coaches can look back. A month ago and say, remember that? Remember how bad that yeah. felt? Remember how we thought we were good? Good grief. And then that happened? 
Yeah, I think BYU's on Hyler. I think they have the right mindset right now. BYU is not overlooking the Flames. Now, Idaho State and UMass, completely mail it in. Totally different. It's all good. Like, I might play in that game. <laughs> Topic three, Jerem. As bad as it stings for BYU to lose mm-hmm. in Toledo and in Tampa against USF, was it ultimately worth losing to the Rockets and the USF Bulls to discover the current version of BYU football. I never want to lose, ever, for any reason. But, but, I'm against the grain on this one. I say absolutely. BYU did not make changes behind the scenes after the Toledo game to change the season because it happened again to a worse team. After a bye week. Toledo's 6-3. and They're a decent squad, right? BYU should have won that game after a bye week. Exactly. This was worth it because guess what? Offensively, Jeff Grimes said, you know what? I got to go down to the field and I got to coach the old lineup a little more. Aaron Roderick takes a more active role in the play calling decisions. Kalani Sataki inserts himself more in the meeting room defensively, schematically. BYU is a totally different team because of these two losses. BYU was probably going to go four and four, maybe five and three. Six and two was probably going to be a stretch for this group. So why not learn from it and go on a up-to-seven-game win streak to finish the season? We'll see. BYU has learned some valuable lessons. I hate the idea of you had to do this to learn this, but think about your life, right? There's a certain point in your life, a bunch of moments probably, where you're like, oh, I learned this thing, and I was way better for it. Sometimes you have to go through this stuff. Unfortunately, BYU did. I would love for BYU to be 6-2 and two and the only losses to be Utah and Washington. But that probably wasn't going to happen. And guess what? I think there are medium to long-term ramifications from those two losses that will benefit BYU in a major way instead of if BYU won those games. It is amazing. I want to go back and watch episodes of BYU Sports Nation, at least the moments in July and August when we were discussing what if BYU went 5-3? and three? That was like blue-goggled, best-case scenario for us. 5-3 and three through the first eight, win the back four, be 9-3 and three, go into a bowl game, and have a shot at 10 wins. Oh, that was like the most blue-goggled, yeah. BYU's only one win off of that, albeit it has taken a super weird, funky path to get to 4-4 four and four right now. That's the fun part. That's the fun part. If it was exactly how we thought it would play out, boring. It's not a computer. It's a bunch of humans, right? It's not binary. Let's go. Yes, it was worth losing to Toledo and USF to discover the current version of BYU football. As long as BYU doesn't lose to Liberty. Yes. Okay. Well, we're assuming BYU is going to win the next three yes. and probably match up well against San Diego State. If this results in a five-game win streak, and we all think it will, BYU then has a shot at 8-4 and four in the regular season if they can beat what we think will be a ranked San Diego State team. And it's worth it because we will see consistent progress and change. We saw no consistency in the first six games. If BYU wins five in a row, cha-ching, checkmark, there is the consistency that we were all hoping for. Again, my whole thing was if it's consistent progress, then yes, and it good, was worth it. And good consistency. You can be bad, consistently bad, right? Uh, BYU had to figure out life without Zach Wilson and Tyson Williams. And they did. To beat Boise State, who's only lost still as BYU, 7-1. and one. And then to beat uh, Utah State, who's yes. now a 500 team. But that's a good win due to the nature of the rivalry in the last couple of years. We are all fans of Boise State and San Diego State and Utah State for that matter. Uh, hmm. We want those wins to be quality wins. Well, the, for what end? You know, there's Because no, there's it makes no... everyone feel better. Well, 
everyone being just BYU. It doesn't matter to anybody else. <laughs> so it doesn't really matter. BYU's not playing for a conference title, not playing for a New Year's Six. No, no but it, there, it there's, there is something to the fact that— Boise of, State, yes. I don't care about the others. Okay. Yeah. All right. USC, maybe, whatever. Our question of the day, was it worth losing to Toledo and USF for BYU to discover the current version of itself? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. Alan Sharp answers on Instagram. Only if this version continues into the next few years. If the lessons learned help future teams, then yes, it was worth it. Consistent it, progress. Yeah, if you if you if BYU bounces back from this and they have the last two games and they win out the rest of the regular season, it was totally worth it. I thought eight. I predicted eight wins in the regular season, but not in this fashion. None of us predicted that BYU would lose to South Florida. Like, nobody. The oil bro on Instagram says, good wins don't cure bad losses. But I feel like in this instance... Don't you feel... Kind of, don't you not don't feel you feel better? cured? Do you feel... Don't you feel BYU football's healthy as opposed to two weeks ago? It's like, wow, really sick, bedridden. Don't you feel that? Not even a little that? bit? Not even a little pa- bit. Pause, pause for a moment. Do you feel that? It feels nice to win, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. Hashtag oh. BYUSN to join us. Coming up, what all-time record will Mary Lake probably set tonight? It's going to happen. Greg Rubel on the quest for perfection with BYU women's soccer. And does he think BYU is overlooking liberty? This is BYU Sports Nation. Freedom, liberty, I love all of it. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Saturday, watch Countdown to kickoff after the conclusion of the BYU men's basketball game against San Diego State on BYU TV as Spencer David, Tanner Mangum, guest analyst, Carla, and when David Blaine get to the stadium from the Marriott Center, those two as well, as we get you ready for BYU and Liberty around 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific. Live from Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play, I am Spencer Linton. Teamed up with Jerem Jordan, we welcome in the voice of the Cougars on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. His name is Greg Rubel. Greg, you just called fourth-ranked BYU women's soccer last night. Another victory. The Cougars are 17-0-1. Is there any doubt that BYU will finish the season other than anything other than undefeated uh, based on who they face on Saturday in a senior day matchup against LMU? Yeah, I don't think so. I, I think if you put uh, BYU with as much as on the line as there will be on Saturday night, on a senior night at Southfield against LMU, um, I, w- I wouldn't, get, I wouldn't want to be the Lions on, on, on Saturday night. I, I think it's going to be BYU comprehensively. You never want to take anything for granted. You never want to presume anything. You have to give everyone due respect. But all these things that are riding on the line for BYU at home, considering uh, the environment, uh, you got to like the Cougs. And I, I think 18-0, I think 18-0-1, is, is going to happen. Uh, they, they're just that good. Before this season, we knew this team would be good and probably great, but at what point during this season did you realize, wow, this is an all-time team? I think when that goal tally began to really click up and, and Elise Flake showed no signs of slowing down, uh, you, you have to have a go-to player, or in this case players, and, and really they've got a great triangulation between Flake and Tucker at the forward spots and Michaela Coolham at the attacking center mid that triangle of offense has really been uh, generating nonstop and really not slowing down. And uh, and at least is kind of a transformative player. She's uh, now sitting at 17 goals on the year. She's tied for fifth all-time in BYU career scoring. And you need these kinds of things to come together, and they have. And then beyond all of that, 
you brought back an experienced back line to begin the season with a senior keeper, and that line has been steady and solid all year long. They've only conceded eight goals in 18 matches. Uh, the goal differential is now up to, what, plus 52, I believe, on the year. It's <laughs> and eight conceded. Uh, it, it's a juggernaut. It's a dominant elite program right now. I was talking to Chris Watkins, the Gonzaga's coach in pregame, and he's not blowing smoke when he says he's seen maybe he says three, maybe four better teams than BYU all year nationally. Talking, and we're talking about you know potential number one seeds, um, and and then you've got BYU right in the mix. He said, you know, when it comes to the West, he says you know Stanford's the only team he'd put ahead of BYU in the Western region, and that's saying a lot. And uh, I, I think BYU's. Again, should they finish 18-0-1 and, and, and they're heavy odds on favorite to do that Saturday night, um, I, I feel like uh, they'd be hard done by if they don't get one of those top eight spots in the bracket. Greg Rubel with us on BYU Sports Nation. Humor me, Greg, as we have some hypothetical fun. We all think and feel BYU will finish 18-0-1, but what if Florida State beats Virginia and the Cougars are the only undefeated team in America? Is there any chance they could earn a number one seed in the tournament? All right, let's uh, take a look at a little history here. Uh, since the NCAA tournament field expanded to 64 teams, BYU's taken 18 wins into Selection Monday only one time. That was in 2012. They were 18-1-1. and one. They got a one seed. Now, I'm not holding out hope for a one seed, but if you're an 18-win team at 18-1-1 one and, one, and you get a one, if you're 18-0-1, oh can you reasonably expect at least a two? And I would say the answer is yes. Um, they're just that good, and they've again they've only taken 18 wins or more into the feet into the selection Monday the one time since the field expanded to where it is right now. The last time BYU made a nice run of the Sweet 16 in 2016, they were 16-2 and two going into selection Monday. They got a four seed. Now the cautionary tale there is they were fourth in the coaches poll in 2016 and got a four seed. Well, BYU's fourth in the coaches poll now, and and you're kind of crossing fingers that they maybe sneak up into that too. I think people are thinking a three is kind of reasonable, but I'm going to make the pitch for that two seed, realizing that if you go back to 2012, it's a very similar profile with a loss in there, and BYU got a one. Again, I'm not, I'm not holding out hope for a one. I'm not saying they're a one-seed team. It would be great if they did. I mean, And if the NCAA did that, I could see why they would, but I think they at least have to get a two, which means two hosting home weekends. But if you're the only undefeated team in college soccer, if you bring that up, if say Virginia does lose, you're the only undefeated team in college soccer. You play in a good league with multiple tournament bids, You've got an RPI around the top ten. Uh, you score more goals than anybody other than Stanford. Is you know is, is that a top seed profile? You could argue it is. I just don't have enough faith that they're actually going to go as high as a one. <laughs> but I really think I, I really think a, a two has to happen if they finish eighteen zero and one. From football to American football, let's talk about the Cougars' matchup with yeah. Liberty on Saturday. Liberty's really interesting because they have some legit playmakers and quarterback Stephen Buckshot Calvert and wide receiver Antonio Gandy Golden and some good running backs and a, a solid defense that gets in the backfield. Yet BYU's a 17 point favorite. So, how do you feel about this matchup Saturday? Well, I, I think it's at least 17. Uh, you know, Liberty's done some things, but look what they've done it against. You know, they're, they're six and three. So two of the wins are FCS, so let's toss those out. Of their four FBS wins, uh, the, the combined record of those teams is 8-27. and 27. Um, They're not beating anybody. Um, they've beaten New Mexico. They, they, they've beaten New Mexico State. You know, they've beaten Buffalo. They've beaten UMass. UMass is historically bad. And, and their losses have come to a Syracuse team that's 3-6, and six, um, a Louisiana team that's decent, a Rutgers team that's 2-7. and seven. Both Rutgers and Syracuse are winless in, the, winless in their leagues. You know, Jeff Sagarin's schedule rankings, schedule strengths include the FCS, 
And there are FCS programs with a better strength of schedule than Liberty right now. <laughs> no, really. I mean, Liberty, Liberty ranks 143 in schedule strength, and there are 130 FBS teams. So Liberty's done what, they, what, what, what you expect them to do against the schedule they've played. And, and when they've played good teams, they've lost to those teams. Um, so, yeah, I, 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 Liberty's not good against the run. They're not good against the pass. Uh, they're not good on third downs defensively. Um, they are good in the red zone defensively. They have a good red zone defense, but but nothing else in that profile says to, that, that, that they that they can slow down or stop or hope to beat BYU on, on Saturday. Okay, with that in mind, Greg, what do you think is the most likely quarterback situation for BYU on Saturday with Zach Wilson trying to get back off a broken thumb, Jaron Hall dealing with a perceived concussion, and Baylor Romney handling a foot injury? Well, I, I would say as of midweek, guys, it's Baylor's game. Uh, just because the other the other guys aren't going to have had a full week, right? The only guy with a full week of practice this week will be Baylor Romney. And so, considering how he's played, considering the work he's going to have gotten this week, um, I, I would say it's Baylor's game right now, unless something really changes here in the next forty-eight hours. Um, that, that that would be my you know my observation. You're a, a triple threat play-by-play. In fact, you you do four sports, I think, too. But so let's transition to men's basketball. Fun night Tuesday nights to see the Cougars open up the season. What did you think of the uh, first game for Alex Barcelo as a Cougar? Yeah, I, I, I can't say it was surprising as much as it was affirming everything I'd heard and the little I'd seen of Alex. And uh, you know, to say he's he's one of BYU's you know, top two or three players already is not going to be much of a stretch. He's really that good. Um, and, and again, it's just one game. We got to have a you know a season play out here. But you can already see the ingredients. Um, of a formula that's going to be pretty successful for BYU in the backcourt. A.B. just does so much so well, and he's, imp- he's as impressive defensively as anything. And how about the fact he can guard without fouling, right? He, he, he's an aggressive defender, zero fouls, uh, while at the same time he drew five of them. Um, and, and T.J. Huss drew five fouls uh, without getting in foul trouble. So both those guys, again, put, put pressure, on you, pressure, pressure on you in an interesting way and draw defensive pressure in a way that either it gets you to the free throw line or, or, or gets you a team foul for the other team. So I really loved what Alex did. He, he had never scored more than 16 at Arizona. He scored 17 in his first game for BYU. I loved the rebounding efforts from the guards, Connor Harding and, and Zach Selyus. Connor's solid, really solid night. I think Zach's shooting numbers will get better as he goes, but at least you saw the hustle to grab eight rebounds in his first game back from the broken foot, and that was very encouraging as well. Greg, clearly Cal State Fullerton is not on the level of San Diego State. And I feel like we will learn a lot more about what this BYU basketball team really is when the Aztecs come to the Marriott Center. In your opinion, what kind of challenge does BYU face against the Aztecs this Saturday? Well, you start with the rebounding challenge. Now, granted, there were a lot of rebounds to be had at B.A. Haas the other night, but, but San Diego State grad, did grab 62 of them. Okay, so 62? Um, oh, my gosh. You know, it, it, you know for, for, for so long, guys, you know, you think about San Diego State, you think about them offensively, and, they're, and, and, they're, and, and their recipe is going to be, you know, chuck it up and go get the rebound because it's like we're going to miss. And that was the kind of game we saw on Tuesday from them against Texas Southern. They shot very poorly. They shot 38% in a bit, so 38-plus percent, and they win by 35 with that number. So how bad was the opposite shooting? Well, you know, Texas Southern's in the low 20s. There were so many rebounds, and San Diego State grabbed so many of them. And so it's kind of looking like the old Aztec team where they're going to chuck it up and then go crash. And, and, and so BYU will have to be a really good rebounding team on Saturday. You know, maybe San Diego State shoots better, but if, if, if the shots are dropping off like they were, uh, crashing is going to be imperative. And, 
Uh, they're long. You know, the Aztecs are long, but they're centralized long. You know, they, they, they've got you know a couple guys that are six ten, and then a bunch of guys in that you know six six to six seven range, kind of like BYU, right? BYU's got a little bit of height, but then a bunch of balanced guys, kind of in that mid range. And so, I don't think it's going to be overwhelming in terms of San Diego State size. It might be overwhelming with a couple of guys, you know, a couple of positions uh, to start. But I don't think overall you're going to find yourself saying we can't compete. I think it's going to be really a hustle game for BYU that way. All right, we've basically run the gamut. If we had time for a baseball question, we would yeah, tap into your quadruple out, threat of, of play-by-play <laughs> awesomeness, Greg. But uh, we'll leave it there for now. Thanks so much, man. Well, you guys are all in the same boat with all the sports you do, too. I'm just trying to keep up. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. Greg Rebell on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Uh, you can listen to Greg and uh, Jason and everybody on uh, BYU Radio. They're going to have a fun, long day, as will we. So uh, I love when the, when the building is buzzing on a Saturday. Sports it's Saturday. Just, let's go. Let's go. That's why we're here, man. Coming up, what does ESPN say about BYU's remaining strength of schedule and chance to win out? And she's coaching up the third-ranked cross-country team. In all the land, Dilji Taylor in Studio B+. Plus, We're on the NFL Watch in the whip. This is BYU Sports Nation. Listen to BYU Sports Nation On Demand on iTunes. Tune in or Google Play and enjoy On Demand. And subscribe, rate, and review. Appreciate it. Welcome back to the show and to Studio B. Teamed up with Jerem Jordan, I am Spencer Linton. We rolling on a Thursday, and we're going to keep it rolling with the whip. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Football. Cougars host the Liberty Flames Saturday. BYU is currently a 17-point favorite. Hard to overlook a team. When, actually, it's easy when the line's like that. Be careful. Countdown to kickoff begins after the men's basketball game Saturday around 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific time. Cougars in the NFL. Michael Davis and the Los Angeles Chargers of San Diego take on rival Oakland tonight on Thursday Night Football. Davis has 22 tackles on the season, also three pass deflections and an interception. He rolling as well, Jerem. Soccer. Number four, Brigham beat Gonzaga 3-0 last night in Spokane, the Inland Empire. Of Washington. Of Washington. With goals from Jamie Shepard, Elise Flake, and Michaela Coolahan. By the way, Flake and, and Coolahan have combined for 28. That's more than almost 200 NCAA teams. The Cougars remain undefeated. 17-0-1 host LMU with a chance to win the West Coast Conference title outright Saturday night and finish undefeated in the regular season finale. Golf. Peter Quest wins the St. Mary's Invitational for his third individual win of the season. Nice. The combined score of four under par. He's arguably the top individual golfer in the nation, and BYU as a team finished second in the latest tournament. They're currently ranked fourth in the nation. BYU now has a break before resuming things at the Southwestern Invitational in late January. Volleyball. Number 11, BYU plays at Santa Clara tonight. Mary Lake is 11 digs away from the all-time BYU record. McKenna Miller is hitting 524 the last three matches. Watch it on the WCC Network at 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific. Tennis. Vero Melendez of BYU Men's Tennis advances to the round of 32 at the ITA Fall National Championships. Well done. He won in straight set 6-2-6-4. Melendez plays again today against number 11 seed Christian Siskard. Our question of the day. Back to BYU football. Was it worth the Cougars losing to Toledo and USF to discover this current version of BYU football? Steven Wozniak on Facebook says, yes, losing to teams you should be able to beat humbles football teams. BYU has played with a chip on their shoulders the last two games. Hopefully they can win, keep the win streak going. Yeah, just it takes a minute to figure some things out. And it's not like BYU was fully healthy with Zach Wilson and Tyson Williams to go into, I don't know, both the Toledo game, Tyson Williams out, right, and the South Florida game. If BYU has Zach Wilson and Tyson Williams, 
healthy in both those games? Zach Wilson breaks it at the end. If Tyson Williams in that Toledo game, BYU wins. If he's in the South Florida game, they win. You don't have to rediscover yourself, but BYU did. And thankfully, you so. have to adapt. You adapt or die, right? BYU didn't adapt well in the South Florida game, and they lost. BYU adapted and won back-to-back rivalry games. Awesome. Top 15 win in there. Took the wagon wheel back. Feeling good. Maybe we're not talking about that enough. Kalani right. Satake, 1-9 going into the Boise State and Utah State games against two and 2-0 now. Now he's won two in a row. Let's go. Yes, sir. All right. Amy Bangerter-Jones on Twitter says, if the alternative is losing to Boise and Utah State, then yes, it's worth it. If Kalani hadn't stepped in to shake things up, that's where BYU would be. I think BYU could have beaten Utah State, perhaps, as the other version. But Boise State, no. I think... BYU needed to be yeah. the different version of itself. I agree. To I said team. it the moment after the game happened. Coming up, will BYU football win out in the regular season? And what's the chance? ESPN tells us. And what's all of this about the meteoric rise of BYU women's cross country? Diljeet Taylor is going to divulge the secrets of what has made this team so consistently great. She joins us next. This is BYU Sports Nation. So number three, WCC champs. That's good. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Men's Hoops, Game 2, Saturday against longtime Mountain West rival Jimmer, Kawhi. They're not around. That would be fun, I know. And a little bit unfair at this point with Kawhi. But yes, uh, Saturday in the Merritt Center, 4 Eastern, 1 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio. And Trevanel made a three in the game. How many threes is he going to make this year? I'm excited about it. Well, he made five in the exhibition, so yeah. I think he's six of nine our, shooting. Our graphics far. team is like, dude, one three? You're on the photo. Trevin, ne- well, he was a guest <laughs> on the show yesterday. He was a guest That's on the fantastic. show. He's got the BYU Sports he's Nation karma. He's the man. It's, it's early, baby. I love it. Joining us now in studio, be one of our all-time favorites. She is currently coaching the third BYU women's cross-country team, and the Acai Bulls are here. Oh, this is my Hyundai, by the way. Because in Portuguese, it's acai. I want to say it the right way, then. Yeah, acai but, uh, bowl. Acai, you sound like a fruit, if you know. You acai know? bowl. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll get thank it right. you. Dilji, thank yeah. you for this, and thank you for coming to the show. Thanks for having me. This goes back to uh, a track meet, I think the Robinson Invitation, like a year ago, two years ago. Yeah, I think I brought you guys You guys got, you guys Nothing won. represents so nice. women's distance more than an acai bowl. That is <laughs> yeah. like what we do. I'm so happy. Congratulations on the West Coast Conference Championship, by Thank the way. Thank you. It was fun. Number three ranking. I guess, what did it mean to, uh, it's always good, it's always good to win a championship, right? Always. Yeah, winning is fun. Uh, clearly, it's, it's and fun. you've been doing a lot of it. Yeah, we've had a really good season so far. My so qu- my question proud. is, how have you maintained this consistency? Because it's not just this season. It's the previous season and the season before that where we saw this meteoric rise. Yeah, I think obviously this started four years ago when I came to BYU. And I've just capitalized on these young women's dreams. And they want to be great. And so I've just kind of ran with that. It's been really fun. Literally ran with it. I love it. Uh, Whitney Orton and Erica Burke Jarvis. They are competitive. They're feisty. They're teammates. They win. It comes down to those final two for the championship and uh, one past the other for the title. Is that awesome? Is it awkward? How do you feel about it? No, I mean, they're both my runners, so I'm preparing them both to be the best, and on any given day, I think either one of them can have a shot at it. It's, um, it's been fun. What do you do mentally to help them develop the strength to continue this? Because I feel like in running, the mental aspect is so huge to overcome the physical stress of it all. So what, what, do you, what kind of things do you say to them before they run an intense race like this? 
Well, I think it goes on to not just the night before the race, but just throughout the season instilling confidence in them. And a big part of my coaching is believing in the athletes and making sure that they know that. Um, but I think it's also just giving them the tools that they need in those moments to be great. And I've talked a lot this season about I don't want to have the most talented team in the country. I want to have the toughest team in the country. Mm-hmm. And so um, when I see that happen in a race and I show that, see that toughness in them, that, that's really what makes me proud. Certainly you want both, right? Because if you can get <laughs> well, talent yes, and yes. tough, right? Yeah. But what is it about that toughness angle that allows someone to maximize their talent? Well, I think in, in a moment of racing, there's many times where a little bit of darkness comes into play, and you just have to be tough in those moments of darkness. And uh, we do it in practice all the time, and I've seen it now in racing too. These women are, these women are tough, and, and it's... What's awesome is it's the men's program, it's the women's program. And the women's program actually was amazing at the end of late 90s, early 2000s, won a couple national championships. The the program feels like it's back at that level. Um, What has it taken to kind of bring this program back to that level? I think it's just been a culture shift and me coming in and kind of re-energizing it. But the women that are in the program now in their fourth year, they're the ones that started this whole thing. I mean, they they have given... You know, they have given birth again to the dominance of BYU women's distance. Sure. So uh, I attribute a lot of our success to to the women these last four years. And, and as their seniors this year, you're seeing a lot of heart. And they, they know how hard they've worked to, to make this climb. And they're going to continue to fight till the end. Where's the Isaac Wood reaction to the women's cross country? <laughs> I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for it. Maybe uh, November 23rd. Perhaps. Okay. Perhaps in uh, Terre Haute. Let's go. We'll look forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> Dilgeet Taylor with us on BYU Sports Nation. What kind of stock do you put into a top three national ranking at this point? Uh, well, rankings, it's great to be nationally recognized. And I think rankings is somebody looking at your team and telling you what they think that we can do and we just have to kind of put our heads down and we don't focus too much on rankings we know that we're we're one of the better teams in the country but we have to do it on that given day so we're kind of focusing on just taking care of business the next couple weeks okay you have this week off next week uh ncaa mountain region championships and then the week after that eight days later uh, in Terre Haute, indiana that's when it's all going down for the ncaa championship so what will it take to be your best selves on november 23rd I think if uh, we put seven happy, healthy women on the line, that's been our goal since cross-country camp, that you'll see, you'll see something special happen at the end. Um, yeah, we're excited. What would be special for this group? Special would be the team excited, having raced happy and confident, and running to the best of their ability on that given day. And the outcome, we can't focus on that. It'll take care of itself. But um, I think if you see some, some toughness out there, you're going to see something special coming back to Provo. What kind of competition, and in, in specifically, when you look at pacing yourself, engaging yourself against the best of the best, what other teams are going to put really good teams out there in Terre Haute? So Arkansas is really strong, and Stanford's really strong, and Washington. Those, those are the three teams that have, have dominated all season long, and uh, we'll be excited to, mm. to face them. Uh, what is it about Terre Haute, Indiana, that made it the site of the NCAA Cross <laughs> Country Championships a long know. time ago? Very, very cold and very windy. Like, and why would you run there November 23rd? I don't 23rd? know. I have no idea. But you know what? It's where we ran four years ago. Mm-hmm. And so these same women that ran there, like when Erica first became an All-American and we had that top 10 finish, uh, it's exciting to kind of finish. It's full circle for us. So I'm actually happy that it's there. Okay. A little redemption yes. story, right? 
Okay, awesome. What's your relationship like with Ed Stone? Because we think he is hilarious. So ex- hilarious. explain it to us. So I feel like, okay, he's too young to be my dad, too old to be my brother, but he's just like a best friend, right? Like we bounce ideas off each other. We're very different in just our coaching styles and personalities. He's so chill and I'm a little bit more intense. Um, <laughs> but we balance each other out really well. And I love, love, love Ed Stone. It's a big part of the reason why I came here and it's a big part of the reason what's kept me here. So... I'm super grateful to work alongside him. And the New York City Marathon, uh, that was pretty cool. That was amazing. On Sunday, right? Yes. Jared Ward amazing. and Connor McMillan, yes. two of the top three Americans. Amazing. Amazing races by those gentlemen. All right. How can BYU fans get more involved with elite-level programs like this? Well, I we're running at Rose Park uh, up in Salt Lake November 15th for the regional. So hopefully we'll get a ton of fans out there. And I think, yeah, we feel the support and love. Um, so, yeah, just come support. Okay, awesome. That's next Friday, 11 a.m. Mountain Time. Well, good luck. Let's give you the BYU Sports Nation karma. Yes. Good luck to the NCAA Thank you. Thanks for having me. And thanks for the acai. Acai, acai, acai bowls. Acai, acai. Yeah. Oh, acai. yeah. <laughs> Hyundai, Hyundai. Yes, we have this long-standing argument about whether it's Hyundai or Hyundai because I speak Hyundai, Korean right. and it's pronounced Hyundai. Yeah. But everyone says Hyundai. Yeah. Okay? You, you just sound, it's yeah. Acai. Anyway. <laughs> Here it is. Yeah. Yeah. We're no, American, I'm with right? you. We're in America. Where are we? The United States Freaking America. Let's go. Okay. Okay, thanks. Coming up, ESPN thinks it's pretty likely BYU football wins out, but how likely? And a rising shout-out to a locker room speech that I can absolutely get on board with. Where's my jersey, coach? This is BYU Sports Nation. Early rising shout-out for the Acai Bowl. Acai. Acai. This segment of BYU Sports Nation presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Forget it. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Look at your face. I know. Great. We got to get rid of that thing. You look good. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. And it's on demand on the BYU TV and BYU Radio. 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 Bring it on back. It's time Re- to play. Reel it in. <laughs> God, we get a little acai on here and uh, we start freaking out, man. Yeah, hey, this is great, man. <laughs> it's time to play What's the Chance? BYU Sports Nation asks, what's the chance? Presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Ben Bagley, where are you? Okay. <laughs> He's not on. He's not on. This segment's okay. going really well so far. <laughs> <laughs> He's lost in the ethos. So let us let me ask you, Jerem. Please. What's the chance BYU runs the table in the regular season? Okay, let's break it down. Liberty at home, Idaho State at home, Trevor Maddich, please don't sleep on Idaho State, at UMass, at San Diego State. The only game in question is San Diego State, which uh, ESPN's FPI, Football Power Index, gives BYU a 55% chance of winning. San Diego State's currently a ranked squad. Wow. I hope they're ranked when BYU plays them. Now, here's the deal. Uh, I'm going to go with the same number. No, no, no. I'm going higher, actually. ESPN says BYU has a 47.7% chance of winning out. Yes. That is the eighth best in the country of anybody. Okay? Mm-hmm. I, I think the BYU has like a 65% chance. Yes. I think that San Diego State, you call them the fake idea of college They football. are. I agree with you, McLovin, that they are fake because they played a close game with San Jose State and UNLV, and it's like, what? BYU's, it's they, one thing for BYU to lose to South Florida and Toledo. It's another to beat Tennessee, USC, Boise State, and Logan. Like, BYU's just... Quality club. Listen, I love Weber State University. From oh, number three, Wildcats. Let's from go. From Ogden, Utah. Jay Hill. Okay. 
They are in Ogden, Utah. For real. They literally are in Ogden, Utah, we're told. Number three team in the country, FCS. San Diego State beat that team six to nothing. Six points. They scored six points. But Weber State is they're good. One of the best. They're good. FCS teams. You gotta score more than six points. Like, like San Diego State has a really good defense. Do they have enough offense to beat BYU? I don't think they do. So I'm no, going, I don't. I'm with you, I agree. man. Like 70% chance, 100% chance BYU wins the next three games. Yes, it easy all comes three. down to San Diego State. The Aztecs, I give BYU 70% chance. I think if they play the game 10 times, BYU probably wins seven of those games. And they only play once. Uh, ESPN's Football Power Index also gives a ranking to the remaining strength of schedule. Guess what BYU's is? Third easiest in these United States of America. I love it. I love it. So BYU is in a great position. To run the table, that means they'd have a six-game win streak to end. And then all the haters of not thinking that it was worth losing to Toledo and South Florida to win the next... BYU would have won the next six. <laughs> and then in a bowl game, BYU's matching up with someone they can beat from the American. Hawaii, we've talked about yeah, it's, UCF. I, I think ESPN's going to want to go with uh, you know a favorable matchup that will draw eyeballs on Christmas Eve. So it's either yeah. Hawaii... In Hawaii, or maybe like that's UCF. Now, that's a great matchup. You, I mean, UCF's a little scary, to be right. honest, because they're really good. Right. BYU beat... Zach Wilson's first start was, was against Hawaii last year in Provo, and BYU just rolled him. I, I think BYU would beat Hawaii. UCF would be a fun one. We'll see who else is in the mix. BYU's going to win out. They're going to do this. At San Diego State, that's going to be a fun way to end it, in a place where BYU played a bowl game in 2016, played a ton of games historically, obviously, in the Holiday Bowl. Like, that's good. I'm just going to call it Jack Murphy Stadium. I don't even, what is it now? Qualcomm is, Stadium. It's Qualcomm. Qualcomm's still the name of the stadium? I think so. Well, they don't have an NFL team. They left. That's how. They left because Qualcomm Stadium is not nice. Right. That's how, it's such a dump. They're like, <laughs> I am out. And I was shocked by how dumpy that stadium was when we went in 2016 for the bowl game. I, listen, no one wants to play the, this schedule in a row. I'm talking about Power 5 at the beginning and this. It'd be nice to have some balance, but it's not there. BYU's got to win the next three. They're going to have a challenge against San Diego State, which you and I think they're going to win. They're going to finish on a six-game win streak, and this is going to be awesome. At some point, by the way, in this, Zach Wilson returns for BYU. And what if Baylor Romney wins the next couple of games? We've talked about it. You still bring in Zach Wilson as the starter. Okay, there is a real opportunity for BYU to play for the first time ever. Ever in the history of BYU football, five ranked teams in the same season. That'd be nuts. If San Diego State is ranked, keeps it going. That's why we're all San Diego State fans. We want this to happen. And then if BYU beats the Aztecs, the Cougars would have a winning record against those five ranked opponents, three and two. And then we'll say, how did BYU lose to South Florida and Toledo? I know it's been worth it, but how did that happen at all? I know. Right? I know. But that's what it took. Like, in the annals of BYU football, we're not going to remember that, well, you know what, that was the sacrifice for the blessing of the streak or whatever. It just won't show up. We'll go, oh, eight or nine wins. Cool. I think eight wins this season would be good. Nine, I'd be ecstatic about nine. Nine means that BYU figured it out, turned it around, and uh, I'll take nine with these schedules. I just will. I, I think ten is just too hard. Okay, you have opened up the conversation again for our question of the day. Was it worth losing to Toledo and USF to discover the current version of BYU football? Blake Jensen on Instagram says, football seasons are too short for these types of lessons. Football teams shouldn't have to take terrible losses to learn and change. I agree that they shouldn't have to, but they did. It's reality. Right. I I wish that it would have been one loss. I wish that it would have been Toledo only. 
but it was South Florida as well. So, so I agree. I agree. Yeah. See, I. But for some reason, it took South Florida the South Florida loss to enact change behind the scenes with the coaching staff. Like that was enough. Toledo wasn't enough. Yeah, we'll see. And and we heard a response earlier saying, well, if this this trend continues into the future and BYU can win consistently in the future, then yes, if, if this is the turning point, it had to be this low, then it was worth it. I'm telling you, next year, in 2020, BYU only has one gimme game, North Alabama. If BYU goes into next season playing the way it's playing now, BYU's got a shot at more than, say, seven wins or something. Because I looked at next year and I go, oh my gosh, that screams five and seven, six and six. But now I look at it and I go, BYU can win seven games on mm-hmm. that schedule. Let's go. Yes. There's just more hope right now after winning the last two games the way BYU's playing. There Play should good be. Ball. Our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort. Josh Hogan on Instagram. Would BYU have won the last two games if BYU had won games against Toledo and USF? Maybe or maybe not. It's the changes that occurred after the two losses that make such a difference. This can be a turning point for BYU if the Cougars keep the fire within them. So, yes, it was worth it and needed. Fire within? The 0-2, speaking of Mitt Romney, uh, Olympic theme? Light the fire within? Light the fire and extinguish the flames? What? (laughs) No! Yeah. Yes! Of liberty? I get it now. That's great. (laughs) Today's rise and shout-outs. For me, Jerem, goes to BYU basketball coach Mark Pope for this mentality. Listen to this. I'll tell you this. The team is dangerous. It's really dangerous, man. It's really dangerous when you have a team. You know, much dudes who walk out there and say, we have one agenda. And we're going to win. And you know what the team does? The team beats people they're not supposed to beat. That's what the team does. The team is really scary. The team does really special things when they're agenda-free. Because 352 teams in this country and 340 of them have agendas up and down their roster. I don't feel like we have any agendas. Yeah, no agendas. No agendas. Just win as a team. Yep. yep. Let's go. Just get those wins. Mine goes to women's soccer, 17-0-1, going for an undefeated regular season. Unbelievable. Love it. It's been a wild ride. The fall sports have really produced. It's been fun. Yeah. Yes, it has. Our thanks to today's guests, Greg Rebell and Diljeet Taylor. Asai! Asai! Sorry to Dennis Pitta. We ran out of time. The conversation continues on the internet. For Jeremiah and Spencer, shout out to James Anderson. Go Cougs. James Anderson. Nice.